Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Edric Show. I am your host, Edric Jerome. This is the place for intelligent conversation with interesting people. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button, ring that notification bell, and you'll get notified when I post content each and every week. My guest today is Jade Stevens. She is the board president of 40 Acre Conservation League in Northern California. Uh, the Black-led nonprofit aims to foster a greater human connection to nature and to increase community support for its protection. Jade is an experienced marketing specialist, professional in both the public and private sectors. She has expertise in public relations, crisis communications, event planning, philanthropy, and social media management. And I'm very happy to be able to speak with her today. Jade, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation. Uh, it's a much needed conversation. So let's get into it. Uh, first of all, tell me about 40 Acre Conservation League. Uh, why was it created? What are some of the goals and what are your what is your mission? Yeah, um, you gave a great intro. The 40 Acre Conservation League is one of the first black led nonprofit land conservancies in California. And we were formed with the goal of fostering the greater human connections that we know exist when it comes to nature so that we can increase that community support for its protection, but also just the enjoyment of the outdoors. Um, our vision and mission is really centered where we can achieve uh, an outdoor that is welcoming for everyone. And the way that the 40 Acre Conservation League does that is really centered around three pillars. Um, and I like to think of it in a way where um, to achieve that mission, one is we're really focused on finding ways to maximize exposure to nature and eliminating land use practices that don't necessarily benefit us. And that's environmental justice for us. The second is maximizing participation in the outdoor recreation. So really going to places that are inclusive, safe, and accommodating, um, and that's recreational justice. And finally, we know that the conservation industry, the outdoor industry, if we want to be real, is a big business, but we don't see people of color benefiting economically the way that they should as others do. And that is really economic justice. And that's what really guide us, those three pillars, environmental justice, recreational justice, and economic justice. Uh, it's interesting you mentioned the numbers of African-American participation because the most recent census survey found that uh, less than 3% of foresters and conservation scientists identify as African-American. Um, what steps are you taking to try to maybe increase participation in addition to your group? Uh, and why do you think it's been so low? Yeah, I mean, when we saw those numbers, we were quite surprised that the number was low, but also not <laughs> at the same time. Um, and so I think the reality is being a forester, working in this industry, there are quite a few licenses, credentials, um, and uh, training that you need to be qualified to work on larger projects. Um, and so being aware of what is expected when working on those projects is, I think, one huge barrier. But I think the way that 40 Acre Conservation League addresses that is finding ways to bring on more foresters that are qualified and are people of color um, to work with us on projects. I know we're going to talk about um, 
the land that we have now in Immigrant Gap. But because you asked me, um, we've definitely had conversations with Black foresters who are extremely qualified. One guy that works with us on um, our current property has done work in Alaska, um, and he, he's been out there <laughs> doing the work. And so we really um, do the, the due diligence to find as many entrepreneurs of color in this space that we can help, uh, not help, but bring along with us on our project so that we can increase that number, you know, year over year. Uh, before we get to take a deeper dive into your land acquisition, which is very exciting, very interesting, and I really want to get into that. Um, can you just speak to the natural beauty of open land in Northern California uh, and why it should be protected for future generations? Yeah, I mean, California as a state is beautiful, but when we're talking about Northern California, well, let me back up. California really is uh, beautiful in the sense of it has the most state and national parks in the country. And hundreds, a uh, hundred of those state parks are based in Northern California. So for me, someone who's an outdoor enthusiast that rides my bikes, goes on hikes, that camps, you know, there's really something for anyone to enjoy when we're talking about the unique landscape in Northern California from going for a great hike, um, just taking in the view um, or even visiting some of the natural uh, national parks that are in the area. There's just so much when it comes to history and, and views. Um, some of the parks that are probably most familiar to um, many is Yosemite National Park, which is home to the largest and oldest trees in the world. Um, it's certainly popular on social media. Uh, so is the Sequoia National Park, which has the large sequoias. And then the Tahoe National uh, Forest, which has Lake Tahoe, and is actually bordering where our first land acquisition is. So plenty to see from lakes to mountain views to valleys. Um, there's certainly something for everyone. Uh, so with that as a backdrop, no pun intended, um, let's get into your recent acquisition. Your organization just bought about 650 acres in Plaster County. Uh, what's the significance of that acquisition and why do you specifically target that area? Yeah, so um, we're so proud uh, to have been able to acquire 650 acres of land in what is called Immigrant, immigrant Gap. I mentioned that it borders the Tahoe National Forest, but just those 650 acres alone, there's so much landscape to take in. Um, there's forests, right? So when you think about forests, um, people imagine these large, humongous trees, and they have trees that are, you know, wide and as tall as can be. And so when we were exploring this, we saw old growth, new trees, and they're all uh, extremely close to each other. And so that was like the first thing that we realized that we'd have to um, bring on a team to make sure that we are doing our due diligence to maintain the forest health and restore it. But there's so many, uh, there's so much plant life there that uh, you can get lost in for those that are into it, um, just really taking in all of the different plant life that exists. Um, in terms of, you know, animals, uh, there's certainly uh, a couple of mountain lions. I'm sure I saw a few bears out there, but the most interesting thing that I saw was the unbelievable amount of bees and butterflies that are out there. Some of those are actually um, endangered and we're looking into those certain species in ways that we can not only conserve the land, but also create a habitat that protects these pollinators that play such a huge part in, um, you know, the 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 maintenance of our, our food and, and everything else that goes into that. And then if you can imagine, there's, you know, hundreds, maybe even thousands of miles of 
land that can be turned into trails for hiking. But for those of you that are into, you know, ATVing or any of those, uh, you know, off the highway vehicles, there's certainly an opportunity to um, do that. And then finally, we have a 30 acre lake, which is Lake Putt for those of you that are familiar with the area and it's visible from the freeway. So as you are driving from Sacramento, I should mention this land is about an hour from Sacramento. If you're taking the 80 freeway, you can literally see the land as you're driving by. And the first thing you'll see is Lake Putt, which is 30 acres of um, water. And we're looking into ways um, that we can restore recreation in that area by bringing people to hang out, whether it's through a nature center or a lodge um, or even fishing at some point. Um, and so the, the last part of your question is how did we choose this uh, piece of land? You know, my board and I, we've had all conversations around one, how can we maintain and conserve the land, but how can we make it more accessible to people of color and really just communities in general? And so the way that we pinpoint um, areas that we want to access or to go after when it comes to parcels of land is we really want to choose um, locations that are within 150 miles of an urban city or an urban setting. So, um, you know, thinking about major cities like Sacramento, but that could also broaden us out to Bay Area, San Jose, Los Angeles, San Diego, um, because we think of this as, you know, someone who's you know, kind of on the fence about enjoying the outdoors, they're more likely to go somewhere where, you know, you can think of it as like a weekend trip or just like a quick day trip, right? And so 100 miles from a major city um, kind of ensures that you can get there within, you know, two to three hours and stay if you want or go back home after a good day outside. Um, we often think of, you know, economic benefits to things like land, but there are some actual health benefits and and just, uh, I guess you would say, um good vibes about being out in the Definitely. wilderness. Uh, as someone who's an outdoor enthusiast, maybe you can speak to, to some of that aspect of, of being outdoors and, and encompassing nature. Sure. I mean, there's plenty of studies and reports that, you know, really credit going outside um, to restoring and really maintaining your mental health. Um, being in a place where you're around nature, being able to um, kind of get away from the hustle and bustle of, you know, a loud day in the city it's really peaceful and that really speaks to um, your mental health. I know there are other reports that have really shown, you know, having access to, you know, cleaner air, being around um, just a more, I'd say like, what's the word? Not as noisy, <laughs> like a noise pollutant. It really helps you um, seek a sense of clarity and for me as a cyclist, someone that is often doing, you know, anywhere from 30 to 70 miles in a ride, that's about three to four hours where I'm outside riding along coastlines, riding through, you know, trails like Immigrant Gap. Um, and it certainly has helped me physically and mentally uh, when it comes to just enjoying the views. Um, there's a long history of African-Americans in Placer County. It's not widely known. Uh, and other mining regions around California. Um, and I encourage folks to go back and read a lot of the Alta California editorials. I mean, there's there's a deep, rich history of African-Americans in the gold rush era um, and actually led to some of the conversations around why this state was a free state and not a slave state. That's a whole nother story. Um, but <laughs> given that there is that historical presence of African-Americans in Placer County, uh, how is your organization reflecting that history and uh, what are you doing to protect the legacy of the African-American mining community? 
Yeah, so um, it's interesting you bring that up. You know, the land in Immigrant Gap has quite a few historical um, connections to the state of California. And the short answer really is, um, in addition to conserving and maintaining the land, we are very focused on programming that can educate not only communities of color who are not as comfortable with enjoying the outdoors, but really showing how Black history, different um, stories all played a part into what created California today. And so as we uh, continue to plan out the recreational uses of not just this land, but future land, um, we will definitely be incorporating educational uh, tours, uh, ways for us to share like what is on the property. An interesting thing that we found out is that before we were, um, I don't want to say directly after, but before we owned the land, it was actually owned by the Central Pacific Railroad, which was given to them by the federal government. Um, and the Central Pacific Railroad was part of um, completing that first transcontinental railroad. And that rail line still runs through our site today. And so, you know, what that means is when you think about the Central Pacific Coastline and I'm sorry, Central Pacific Rail Line, um, thinking about how they've been able to, you know, maintain this generational wealth through this business, through the railroad company. It's quite interesting to see now um, that we own the land uh, following that. And just those historical points, I think not only makes us proud, but also again, shows how we are a part of history and how we are moving it forward to be more inclusive. Um, I have a question about your team, but before I get to that, uh, I did notice a, a program you have called Loyal to the Soil. Uh, maybe you can speak to that a little bit. What is that about? Yeah, so that was the theme for our Black Conservation Week that we did in 2023. And that week was really dedicated to really showing and spotlighting the importance of understanding how the Black community is a part of the conservation space. And so we spent time talking to our legislators um, and advocates to really talk about how policies that need to be put in, put in place to increase the opportunities for organizations like 40 Acre Conservation League, right? We don't wanna be the only Black-led um, land conservancy in the space looking to go out and um, you know acquire land to maintain land. And so Loyal to the Soil is really uh, an essence of one, reminding us as Black people that we've always been a part of the outdoors. I have you know land in my family in the South, right? I found out that my great-great-grandparents um, owned, still own land in Shreveport, Louisiana, and they've passed it down to us. Um, there's certainly a lot of figures in California, Black figures that own land. And there's even a growing homestead movement where Black families are thinking about how can we really live off the land and really maintain it for ourselves, right? And so all of these different conversations that are happening didn't start with us. These are things that have been going on for forever, um, for years. And so we really wanted to bring that conversation to Sacramento during Black Conservation Week to help them understand that we, we do have a voice and there's a place for us when we're talking about the state's goals, which we didn't really get into, but their 30 by 30 initiative, which is to protect 30% of the state's land and waterways by 2030. It's important for when we when we put these goals in place, it's important for them to understand what that means for each community and really finding ways to connect with us in a way that matters. And so loyal to the soil is really a way 
is our take with helping um, our legislators and really anyone that is in the conservation space understand how we play a part in that as well. Um, you have a very passionate team around you, a team of talented and, and uh, just excellent folks. Talk to me about your team, uh, their passion and their commitment to the cause. Yeah, I mean, I, I have a great board that works with me uh, and a, an even larger team of scientists and experts that are helping bring our vision to life. Um, I'll start with myself. Um, I've said already that, you know, I've started uh, I was I was really brought to this by my experiences when I was cycling. I've you know had the opportunity to ride along the coastline. I've ridden from downtown Los Angeles to San Diego, and I've gone the opposite on bike, going all the way up to Santa Barbara, and again you know rode around Northern California. And I just you know as someone who really loves the outdoors, whenever I would invite my friends of color, they would be like you know. I don't know if I'm trying to go to the Tahoe Park or I don't know if, you know, people like me can stay overnight in Yosemite. But in the same conversation, we're making plans to go to the Caribbean, to jump in, you know, jump off of waterfalls and go kayaking. And I was like, you guys, there's something here that I don't understand. Why is it that we're willing to fly thousands of miles and spend hundreds, thousands really of dollars to go have these, you know, outdoor experiences in Mexico and the Caribbean, everywhere except for somewhere in California where it's free, help me understand that. And it really just came down to, you know, the same conversations of not feeling welcome, not seeing someone that looks like me at these parks, not knowing what is available at these parks. So I'd rather go somewhere where I look, where I see people that look like me than going somewhere that's literally in my backyard or an hour away from Los Angeles, right? And so my board, you know, we all come from different backgrounds. None of us have started in conservation. My background, as you mentioned, is in marketing. I have a board member whose background is in real estate, someone else in finance, public affairs. And I think our collective, you know, brain power saw the opportunity in conservation to really do what we would call is modernizing the green book, where we can find and identify places that are welcoming for people who are interested in enjoying the outdoors, but not really sure where it's safe, right? Like, you know, let's be real, in Northern California and, you know, throughout the country, there are still areas that we still see Confederate flags. We still see areas where people are, you know, talking about separating the uh, state, you know, and moving into, you know, more conservative areas. Um, and there's really nothing wrong with different ideologies. It really just comes down to being safe. And so that passion is what has driven us to really find our lane in conservation. Uh, on a personal note, you mentioned you like cycling and outdoors. Where did that love come from? Where, where, where did that start? Uh, you know, a funny story. It started in 2020. Um, my sorority sister gave me her bike. She wasn't using it. Um, and, you know, as many, you know, people who found themselves, you know, at home or having a little extra time on their hands due to the pandemic, I found the bike during that time and, you know, started to do, you know, short local group rides uh, in my neighborhood. And I'm just... I'm just a naturally competitive person. Um, you know, the group rides weren't enough for me. Suddenly I was faster than the group ride. And then it became a challenge of how far can I ride, which is what led me to do, you know, a hundred plus miles in a day. It's what led me to ride to Santa Barbara, you know, in one day. And, you know, it just, it just became a progression opportunity for me to continue to grow. And so I still do it regularly. I ride, you know, very often during the week and I even race now um, in local uh, racing, regional races. Um, as we get ready to wrap up, I have just a couple more minutes left, but 
what's next on horizon for 40 Aiken Conservation League? What's what are you guys uh, what is the next big uh, initiative you guys are working on? Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's a big misconception that being awarded the three million dollars by the state of California to purchase the land, um, that 650 acre land in Immigrant Gap, um, the misconception is that, you know, everything is done right once we are awarded that. But that really right. is just the beginning. And so that was meant to that funding was meant to purchase the land. But all of the things that we talked about today from, you know, identifying recreational opportunities, how can we get a nature center on the property? How can we bring fish to the land so or to the lake so people can, you know, fish? How do we maintain and protect the bees and butterflies that we found and create a really sustainable pollinator habitat habitat? All of that requires additional funding, additional planning, and a team to actually do that. And so that's where we're spending, you know, the first half of this year, really putting uh, the plans into place and carrying that out so that those that have um, told us regularly that they can't wait to see the property, we want them to know, like, we want you there too. But a big part of it is really just doing our due diligence to um, research the land, survey the land, see you know what needs to be restored and, and what can we do realistically when it comes to um, the recreational side. But we're also actively looking for new land to acquire too. That formula that I mentioned earlier, you know, finding land that's within 150 miles from major cities, we're still actively looking for more land to acquire and we'll continue to do that um, in the near future. Well, Jade, uh, you and your board and your organization are doing some uh, very interesting work uh, in a space that uh, you're actually going into new spaces, uh, you know, if I can say it that way. Um, I think it's definitely needed. I think uh, what you guys are doing is bringing not just a historical uh, approach to this, but also uh, highlighting the benefits of open space and conservation. And as you mentioned, not just for people of color, but for all people. So uh, I want to applaud you for for foraging out into this world, uh, especially in Northern California, which is such a beautiful area. Uh, my wife and I just drove up to Reno a few months ago uh, okay. from from here in the Bay Area, and it was absolutely spectacular. So uh, congratulations. Uh, good luck on your future endeavors with your organization. If people want more information about you or more information about your organization, where can they go? Yes, thank you. You can sign up for our newsletter and see our updates on our website, which is 40acreleague.org. Um, you can also follow us on all of the social platforms. Our handle is 40acreleague, 40, 40acreleague. Excellent. Jade Stevens, president of the 40 Acre Conservation League in Northern California. Thank you so much for appearing on The Edric Show. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. This has been another edition of The Edric Show. As promised, intelligent conversation with interesting people. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Ring that notification bell. You will get notified of content I post each and every week. I want to thank you for tuning in, and I will catch you on the next episode.